You're listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new, so thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. The episode you're listening to is sponsored by Real Good Foods. Real Good Foods is modernizing frozen foods and has become one of the fastest growing food brands in the United States. Everything Real Good Foods makes is in low carbs, high in protein, and made from real food ingredients. Real Good Foods makes chicken nuggets and strips, orange chicken, enchiladas, Italian entrees, breakfast, you name it, and so much more. It can be found in the freezer section of your local grocery store, Walmart, or Costco. And right now on this episode, we're talking with the CEO, and I am so excited for you guys to hear this one. So here we go. Hey, friends, welcome back to season three of the Routine Project podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you're here for the very first time, welcome. Uh, And if you're back for another episode, I'm so grateful you keep coming back to learn from some of today's highest performing people about their routines, habits, and rituals uh, that can then in turn help all of us listening. Brian Freeman joins me today, and I'm so excited because he's not just an entrepreneur and someone who's built such an extraordinary career for himself uh, in the food and other businesses as well as as, as we will continue to learn throughout this entire episode. Uh, but even more, he's got some habits and routines that I know we can learn from. Brian gained an interest, and I'll tell you guys a little bit just about his food entrepreneurship journey, but he gained an interest in this when he was at law school, something that I totally would not even be able to take on, let alone doing something within entrepreneurship while in school. Uh, But he opened a coffee kiosk to help him pay for his student loans, which was so fascinating to read about. The growth and expansion of the coffee business led him to selling soft pretzels right? And so you think of like food and coffee. Uh, and then the business that grew to a point of manufacturing and selling these pretzels to movie theaters, targets and Walmarts. Brian, I have so many questions for you, but let me continue reading this and we're getting into all of it. Carrying on his entrepreneurial ways, Brian then since built and sold three companies at large publicly traded um, just in strategic ways and also has just made more sense of companies as he's joined them. He has... Um, grown and scaled companies just like Tyson Foods and is now the executive chairman of Real Good Foods and has been since joining the team. And Brian, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know what entrepreneurship in the world of business can look like, especially in the food industry. Because when we think of food, and if you guys are listening, all of us, ultimately, we have to eat. We don't have to eat three times a day necessarily. But when we do start thinking of the foods that we're putting into our bodies, Brian has been such a trailblazer in that on both the business and entrepreneurial front. So thank you so much for joining me on the Routine Project podcast. Hey, I'm glad to be here, Justin. Thanks for having me. So when you think of like the journey of just did you think that the coffee and pretzels would lead to all of this? For example, I mean, that's my first question for you because you know, before routines and all the all the hacks, I just I wonder if if you knew that when you were in law school that you were then going to pivot into all of this. Uh, no, in a word, no. But what I will tell you is, uh, the deeper I got into it, the harder I grind um, on it, and staying curious. I've always stayed very curious and. Look, the coffee kiosk and pretzel thing goes back over 20 years. So I've been in the frozen food business for over 20 years, and it's led to 
you know, taken a business called Real Good Foods Public, um, you know, last November. And uh, today, you know, we went from a half a million dollars in revenue in 2017 to, uh, well, you know, we've said publicly, you know, we got it to about $150 million of revenue uh, this year, and we'll do $200 million next year. And that's all in uh, retail, grocery, and club. And so, mm. you know, it's been a hell of a journey, and I think routines matter um, in order to get from point A to uh, point Z. Yeah, we're going to talk A to Z, and I can't wait to do it with you. I mean, you mentioned that, like, even the projection, the idea that you can take a business like this and be in an industry for over 20 years, to, uh, to anybody who's just starting, uh, I have to I have to ask you that. So, I mean, you can look back at 20 years and, and even back at your time in law school and start thinking about kind of where you were going to project this to go. Uh, but then we all know how the wild west of every business is. Maybe you didn't see any of this coming, but or did you? You know, I, I, I think you need to be really clear about what you want. And you need to be clear with yourself and with uh, the people around you about what your goals are. And you, and that and with being clear comes commitment because you actually are saying, I'm going to do this, not I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are the first couple of steps. And along the way, stay curious because obviously uh, yesterday's plan is, is uh, outdated today. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, from there, it really comes to attitude and uh you know, to me, that creates what is one of the most precious commodities within any company, and that's momentum. Mm. And if you can, through the first three, create momentum and you nurture momentum within the organization, uh, good things are going to happen. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer in that and routines matter in that as well. Yeah. It's exciting to hear you say how important they are because I mean, when folks, when we, especially when we first launched this podcast, I don't think people necessarily knew what we were going to be talking about. They go, Hey, okay. Everybody's got a routine. Uh, but can you break down to us where you feel like you kind of discovered how important it was going to be, especially like you had said, in order to, to really maximize on building a company, but let alone having the momentum and sustaining that from a routine perspective, when was that for you? I don't know if it's 20 years ago or even if what Brian said, you know, it was actually last week. I just created this new routine where like, you know, going into the new year after two years of a pandemic, here's what happened. But I'm curious if if there's one or several routines that you feel like you've built that have helped you sustain all that momentum throughout this entirety of your career. You know, I, you know, what I try to do um, every morning is have some clear communication to folks that, um, you know, I'm working closely with, let them know in advance. And this is early in the morning, what's on my mind and Mm. um, understanding what's on their mind. And using words like, hey, what gave you energy and what's giving you energy um, and what are you worried about? And getting that uh, started in the beginning and early in the day really sets up the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month, and it leads to the the rest of the year. Mm. So clear communication and being very vulnerable and transparent in that communication is important. And then um, keeping the momentum going, even when things may not be going right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Earlier in my career, when I was uh, younger, when things weren't working out, I would sometimes kill momentum through negativity. Sure. You know what I mean? And um, that tends to spiral downward. Um, I used to tolerate people on teams that were negative to begin with. And um, it's it took quite a bit of time for me to understand that uh, there's a huge cost to that to that type of behavior. And. Really, one of the most valuable assets a company can have is momentum uh, because it just builds on itself. It turns into a flywheel. 
and things, unexpected uh, good things happen, and, and frankly, growth, because that's the common theme of my career is uh, growth. Things mm. I get involved with grow, and they grow quickly. Mm. And uh, that's that's where, uh, to me, a lot of enjoyment, fun, satisfaction comes in play. Mm. I love that. Can we talk about routines when you're dealing with stress or overwhelmment or uh, let alone expectations? I feel like when you, I mean, you just said it, when you have to do and grow so quickly, I, I don't know what that pressure looks like. I'm 26 and I have yet to uncover what like you're describing momentum. And if you're listening to this and you're just getting started in your entrepreneurship career, or you feel like there's some momentum to be had, um, you know, but how were you able to routinely, you know, really manage any pressure or stress that came along the way? I guess, I guess the better question here is, were there routines in place to make sure you didn't get burnt up? You know, what's really helping me and it's helped me is uh, getting up early in the morning, mm. uh, not reaching for the email, not uh, opening up the laptop or looking at your phone and spending some time alone, really getting clarity, clearing your mind and really thinking about priorities. You know, as an entrepreneur or a leader of an organization, um, really focusing on priorities, uh, that's going to come from you and being able to clearly communicate that. You cannot do that if you're allowing yourself to get bombarded mm. um, by outside or internal emails, communication, whatever. So anyway, in a nutshell, in the morning, first thing is uh, don't lay in bed, get up, get out yeah. of the situation fast and uh, set something up that you enjoy doing that you can do across any weather condition that is going to help you get focused, clear your mind, and really think about what can I do? What does the organization need to do to have an impact today, this week, and the rest of the month? Mm. Okay, so that, that's that's number one. For me, uh, you, you might find this funny, but um, I've always kept my love of coffee. Um, I, I have a ridiculous setup at my home and uh, making that perfect espresso or a latte in the morning helps get to be centered. Mm. And I actually take a moment to enjoy that by myself. Um, and that's sort of my time when I kind of clear my mind and really think about priorities and what's going to feed momentum into the organization. Mm. Um, I, most people reach for their phone. It's, it's probably right next to them. And they start looking at emails. And at that point, you're kind of on a hamster wheel. And now the business is driving you as opposed to you driving the business. Wow. Wait, say that again. <laughs> Are you driving the business or is the business driving you? And so, I mean, yeah, this is why like getting folks like Brian on the show, I was like immediately, and we've been planning this for months now, but I wonder too, I mean, how many folks are letting their business drive them? So then more on that, have there been any like, very strict, almost habits or, you know, like uh, barriers that you're able to put up and say, you know what, besides the morning routine, obviously, and when your coffee is able to wake you up in such a way, but when it comes to the inbound, I mean, you said it, internal emails, just in general, people probably trying to reach out to you, link, like everything under the sun seems like a distraction if it's not a priority that you had set that morning. So in order to set that boundary, you know, for the 16 hour day or what have you, how do you do that? Yeah, for sure. There are no boundaries, as you know. Mm. Um, so the incoming is always going to be there. It's up to you to shut it down or not turn it on yet. And part of that is is compartmentalizing. Like I know going into my day, I'm going to turn it all back on and it's going to be there waiting for me. That's and right. Does, does 30 minutes, does an hour really matter that much? No, it doesn't. And in fact, 
you convince yourself that you'll actually perform better. Once those inbounds and you, you, you plug back in, um, mm. you're going to be ready for it. Why are you going to be ready for it? Because you've already set the priorities. That's you're right. going to go through your emails or texts or whatever, you know, your Slack or whatever's going on. And you're going to automatically filter uh, and default towards the things that you believe are the priority. Okay. You'll get to the rest of stuff later. And so, um, I, you know, I think that that's, that's important because, you know, at the end of the day, there's only so many hours, so many days a year. And yet, you know, the biggest killer or the biggest threat to these young companies is time. A lot of entrepreneurs worry about, uh, com competition. They worry about, you know, whatever. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's more about the time. What does that mean? Well, at the, at the first of the month, you got to pay the rent. You got to pay your payroll. You got to do, you know, you got to take care of business. You, and um, that's going to happen every 30 days. And so time is really the most precious uh, commodity. And that's where prioritization really matters. Mm. And then any specific rituals you have in, in securing time? Do you time block on your calendar? Do you, you know, do you oh, jot like sure. 10? How does that look for you on, on a daily basis when it comes to business? Yeah. I mean, so I'll give you an example. Um, sometimes I run uh, meetings without chairs. So I'll have the chairs removed from the meeting room. Okay. Um, mm. I, I, and in some uh, plants and facilities I've operated, I have only high top uh, tables. Okay, because the truth is, a lot of these meetings you can get done in ten minutes. What what could what usually would have maybe taken thirty, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Clear communication, um, emails. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm a big fan of is uh, look. If you're going to have an attachment to an email, why not put four or five bullet points on the cover? Okay, just the small things. You get the entire organization working that way with clear communication, mm -hmm. right? and a sense of urgency, you're going to grow and good things will happen. Did you ever feel at any point, maybe from your team, or did you have to overcome the feeling where that would feel overwhelming, for example? Like if you feel like you're working a little too fast and too much on a deadline at all? For sure. And, um, you know, it. this is not for everybody. Entrepreneurship, early stage mm. companies, high growth is not for everyone. And you know, when you're selecting the folks that you're going to put on your team, you know, as much as you can uh, kind of explain to them what it's like, it's not until they're actually in do they really understand okay, right. what this what this is. But here's the good news. For those who have stuck, who, who've stuck it out and have done it, what happens is you get addicted to it. And, um, you know, at Real Good Foods, as, as an example, most of the folks here, We've worked together in the past in other companies. Mm. And then they, you know, they may have gone off and done something else in a bigger matrix. It's a slower pace. And they crave the experience they had in the high growth uh, situation. And you keep bringing the band back together in a lot of instances. And I say that to some of our, our newer team members. I'll say, hey, um, you're, you're going to look back on the next few years and uh, want to do it again. And uh, that's the beauty of high growth and this experience that we all get to experience together. Mm. And do you think there's, um, especially when you look back at all of your other experience being over two decades now in the business of just how how different things have changed in terms of the workplace? I mean, you say it, it's high tops, it's efficient, it's, you know, why, why does this have to be a 30 minute meeting when it could be 10? Have you found that that's pretty much tied exactly to how fast you're able to grow companies these days? 
from a leadership standpoint? Absolutely. And it's also a result of uh, limited resources, right? I mean, uh, startups, young companies, you know, everybody's always uh, would like more cash, more, more resource. And so, um, you know, you're always going to be doing more than one thing at one time. Mm. Speaking of which, I, you know, um, you, you know, people like talking about multitasking. Sure. Oh, I'm doing four or five things at the same time. You know, I'm of the view that actually you're not. You're focusing on That's one right. at a time, right? And uh, so be careful with that as well. Where did you realize that? When, actually? You know, um, it was funny. Our, our CMO is a brilliant individual, and he's, he's the type of person who has five different screens open at one time. And he was sitting across <laughs> the table for me one day, and I watched his eyes just go yeah. back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> and it just, you know, it just clicked in. I, I, I turned to him and I said, Andrew, you know, you're not doing five things at one time. You're doing a little bit of five things all at once. And it's, uh, I'm not sure those are the right uh, results, but uh, he's a great guy, really talented guy. And that you have you found that that just doesn't work for you? Because I mean, we can even talk about that for a moment in terms of focus. And well, maybe it's clarity, then focus, and then actually seeing the results of what you are producing or working on. A lot of times that takes one thing at a time. And it may take longer than you expected it to, but where did that kind of serve you as you're taking one task at a time on the yeah. daily? Yeah, you know, I think that um, as an organization grows, or even in the early years, um, the complexity of the decisions you're having, you're being forced to make, you're being forced to make decisions with incomplete information, mm. um, it's going to require focus. Otherwise, you're going to st step on a lot of rakes. You know, I, I tell folks, look, I've, I've stepped on almost every rake in the backyard. My job's to try to help you yeah, uh, step, not step on the same ones I have. And, and a lot of times it's because of speed and, and lack of focus. So, mm -hmm. you know, for me, just understanding the importance of a particular uh, question or decision I have to make helps get me back, slow it down, focus, make the right decision. Mm -hmm. And you keep bringing up this term uh, of clear communication or phrase, rather. I think that that's so important to understand for most of us who it's sometimes hard to not just speak clearly, but to keep your communication concise so that the person receiving it can understand that. And particularly in business for someone like you, where a five minute meeting, a 10 second phone call has to be that at all times. Uh, give us a take if you don't mind right now at Real Good Foods, how many folks are on your team on that you constantly have to stay in communication with that are all also decision makers of yours? Yeah, sure. So um, there's, there's quite a few questions packed in there. Let me just start with um, part of our core beliefs within Real Good Foods. Yeah. We, we, we call it keeping it real. What does that mean? That's clear communication. What does clear communication look like? Well, if we're going to have a meeting, uh, whoever called the meeting is going to start with the following phrase. The purpose of this meeting is, okay? Mm. Sounds really basic, but you'd be, sh I'm shocked uh, at uh, being a part of other organizations, um, how just the simplest things like that occur. Next, what is it I want out of this meeting? What am I looking to get out of it? Okay, so if you could put that in the first couple of sentences when you begin a meeting, that helps everyone. It gets mm -hmm. everyone focused. Okay. Um, same with, obviously, with um, other forms of communication. I think that's helpful. Um, you asked me, you know, how many people do I interact with in the organization on a given day? And, and that's, a, that's a complicated question because we run this business very flat. What does that mm. mean? We don't, we don't have ivory towers. 
um, and uh, you know, uh, where each person might only have two or three or five direct reports, we're inside the business. And mm -hmm. based on the priority is what's going to direct who I want to talk to within the organization. Now, with regard to my direct reports, I think I shared with you kind of how that cadence works. Mm -hmm. It's an email in the morning um, so that they know uh, what's on my mind, and I and then they respond, and I understand what's on their mind. Why? I want to stop what I call uh, water cooler language or water cooler talk. Okay? Mm. I, I that's unclear communication. Okay, it could be someone saying, "Hey, we're sales are good today." Well, what does that mean? They're good. It means nothing, <laughs> right? So if we're going to make that statement, it should be, "Hey, such and such is up." You know. 3% over last week, you know, clear communication, right? Mm -hmm. And so by putting some sort of formality into the cadence of the communication helps as well. Now, I mentioned earlier that Real Good Foods was joining us on this episode, and I'm excited because I get to share more about them with you guys. And when you think about frozen foods, a lot of us think that they could be so unhealthy, but they have really changed the game. Most of the foods we eat today, even the healthy ones, and I put air quotes up on the word healthy, are loaded with processed carbs and added sugars creating health conditions for one in three people in the United States. There is an innovative food company out there trying to help, and that is Real Good Foods. They're one of the fastest growing frozen food brands in the U.S., as I would mentioned earlier, making nutritious foods accessible to improve human health. They make all the foods we love, including Asian chicken, Mexican, Italian entrees, breakfast sandwiches, chicken nuggets, and so much more. All 100% grain-free, low in carbs, high in protein, and the best part is that they're made with real food ingredients. Real Good Foods is super convenient, especially for those of us who are trying to eat cleaner and are crunched for time. So whether you're trying to cut back on your carbs, looking for more protein in your real foods, or trying to eat a little healthier... They make it so convenient and tasty with all the options to perfection for your lifestyle. They are available in the frozen section of Costco, Walmart, Target, and every grocery store nationwide. You can even get them delivered straight to you in the same day through Instacart, which if you haven't tried it yet, there is a 14-day free trial. Or you can also get them delivered from their website at realgoodfoods.com, and you can use the code TWIST, T-W-I-S-T, for $15 off. If anything, that's two meals free for you. Part of their mission is to support food banks around the U.S. as well, and they have the goal of donating over 1 million nutritious meals to food banks. And lastly, they have one of the largest social media followings for any food brand today with over 440,000 followers on Instagram. Their community is super passionate about the brand, and they pride themselves on being available 24-7 to connect. Learn more at Real Good Foods on social media or at realgoodfoods.com. Wow. We have a thing or two to learn from Brian here. If we can go back to curiosity for a moment, I feel like that might have exponentially grew your career in some ways that maybe you do or do not know. But the reason I bring it back up is because I feel like in in most cases, business can be very linear, very straightforward. And you've decided to take a path where it wasn't so much that, especially today, where you're at with Real Good Foods. And where did curiosity play into that in terms of you making these big, massive decisions to, to pivot your career, come out of companies, go to new ones, uh, and then constantly grow so quickly with them too? Yeah, staying curious. I mean, if you want to grow, you need to be offering something unique or novel to the market, obviously. And the only way mm -hmm. I know how to get there is wake up every day uh, believing that there's a better way or a better thing to do. 
in the case of real good foods, I came to the realization that carbohydrates and sugar are just not good for you. Mm -hmm. And, and I, but I also saw what I was personally doing. I knew I was never going to stop eating Mexican food or whatever. Yeah. And I couldn't exercise my way out of it. So it was like, look, you know, if you could make delicious food that we all want to eat, find a way to get the carbohydrates and sugar out and replace it with protein, you're going to win and you're going to have a huge impact on society. You know, uh, I, I believe sugar and carbohydrates leads to obesity. Sure. Uh, diabetes, all sorts of other health related problems. And so I, I'm at a point in my career where, you know, if I ha- if I see an opportunity where I can do good while growing a really large business and, you know, creating a lot of shareholder value, that that's a big deal to me. And so that's what Real Good Foods is all about. I would not have gotten there if I was not curious mm-hmm. and trying to understand, you know, what is possible and listening to other people. You know, a lot of people um, love how uh, Real Good Foods online community is. You know, we have the largest mm. social community uh, in all frozen food today. Um, well, if you look at any other frozen food brand, they just don't have a real presence um, on social media. Well, you know, that 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 idea, that that execution came from being curious and a buddy of mine happened to be running the marketing uh, side of quest nutrition, you know, 12 or 14 years ago. And Mm. to me, I think they were the first folks to really leverage Instagram. And so I would just, you know, hang out with him. Great guy, really smart, really generous person. And I just say, Hey, so how does this all work? And I think sometimes as, as people get more and more successful, they become more and more closed off. And that's why they they stop to grow because they're sure. no longer curious. They think they got all the answers. And in, in the case of me personally, I was unfortunately uh, in my late twenties or early thirties, I thought I was the smartest person in the world. And I was talking when I should have been listening. And uh, you know, life has a way of humbling you when uh, when you have that sort of attitude. And uh, the, the, the older I get, the more experience I get, the more I realize that listening and being curious is so important to being successful and having an impact on others. Mm. That's that's so f- great to hear. And a lot of people would never admit that. I mean, you just said it when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, especially in today's time in 2022, where, you know, social media took a lot of people's careers off. And, you know, some folks are just entering certain businesses with with what I consider no home training to some extent, you know, have you surprised yourself in any way when you, when you think about, I mean, this space for anybody listening right now that doesn't really know about the better for you space, there's a lot of companies and businesses that are getting launched within the almost like social and personal impact, right? That's the business at its core. And you just said it, like you can't work off a Mexican meal these days. So what you decided to do was work for a brand in which obviously you probably still get to eat the real good foods, which is awesome. But you get to like be a part of a bigger mission in that sense. But while making that decision to be specifically in this space, this industry, what you call better for you, uh, have you surprised yourself in any way as as a business person? You know, just seeing how committed people are to the mission. And, mm. you know, we, we work with over 1,500 uh, micro and nano content creators, and I get energy from it. Um, mm-hmm. I will look at how they post and how they talk about uh, the food and, and the company. And it's, it's really remarkable, um, you know, that a frozen food company can actually have an impact. Mm-hmm. 
I've never, I mean, as an example, you know, I never dreamed that a frozen food company that, that people would want to wear clothing with our brand on. Um, it's just, it's humbling and I get a ton of energy from it. And, and it, it, it drives a lot of it. Like when we're, when we're making the food, I mean, you yep. know, that it's going to have an impact and I just don't, none of us want to disappoint those folks that, that believe in us. That keeps you looking forward too. So as, as you've thought about, you could even give us a, a sample or an example from years past or even today, when you do look ahead in terms of getting real good foods to like an even bigger place than it already is, especially when you consider impact, like you had just said, it's a huge social community there, probably could reach millions and millions of more people to not only eat the food, but to share the stories of it. Um, and so looking forward without getting overwhelmed in that, is there any practices in your brain where you just like know intuitively when you get all this energy from those content creators, for example, and then you're able to like, you know what you want to do with that energy, but you know how long it's going to take at this point and what you want to look forward to without getting overwhelmed. And what kind of goes through your brain in terms of systems and processes uh, looking forward? Yeah. I mean, part of making an impact is making the food affordable. So mm. we've made millions, you know, tens of millions of dollars of investment in, in the plants so that we can run at a speed that's efficient and we can deliver this to anybody regardless of their socioeconomic uh, situation. Mm. And in terms of looking forward, we calendarize our innovation. So that's what, you know, we, we have a calendar that goes out uh, almost two years where we mm. know this one's coming, this next one's coming. Mm. Um, and that's drives the, it drives me that level mm -hmm. of innovation. You know, it's, it's almost like, um, you have something and you just can't wait to reveal it and bring yeah. it out. And so that's a lot of fun as well. I mean, think of the things I, I love that you brought that up because so much of it, that might be a routine in your business. If people think about anything. So if, if you're listening now and you're like, holy shit, like I don't even think past tomorrow. And as cool as it might be these days to like, not really think into next week, right? Cause everything is so busy. Like you had said, having a two-year calendar is not a bad thing. And you said this earlier too, which every given day is going to change. So like you can wake up with certain intentions, goals, and like clear focus to do's, but then ultimately it's still going to change. Something's going to come up, you know, but to have such a foresight if I may, like just to know that these things are coming up, being rolled out. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because then you individually though. So away from business for a moment, Brian, I feel like in order to be in such a powerful position as a business person in which you've done for over two decades, there has to be a personal side of you that I wanted to share with our audience in the sense that uh, duh, like you have family, you know, and you have other hobbies that you probably want to get into. Do you find yourself being able to separate completely that or earlier you said there really is no balance. So like, if you think about how you want that to look even, or, you know, start, I, I guess it start with us here on describing what that personal professional balance may look like. Yeah, you bet. So when people talk about work-life balance, um, what's sometimes left out of the conversation is a time period. So what do I mean by that? It's, um, I, I, I'm not sure it makes sense to strive for work-life balance on a daily or weekly basis. In, my, in the case of me, I think mm. in terms of decades, okay? So what I'm personally working on right now, Justin, is I realize that I'm now entering the third and final stage of my life. Okay, I'm 52 years old. So I'm past halftime. And so 
I am going through a, an internal process right now, really thinking through what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about the next three decades. And from there, I will, again, getting back to the initial comments of our conversation, being really clear with myself about what I want mm -hmm. out of the final third of my life, committing to it, and then thinking about that and prioritizing that on a daily basis. Um, my hope is, is that work-life balance over that span of time, as you look backwards, to say, yeah, I was in balance. But if you're going to look at my life today or this week, I'm telling you, I'm all in on business, right? I mean, we're sure. growing. We, we doubled the business this year. We plan to, you know, grow by at least 50% next year. We're publicly traded on the NASDAQ. Um, and, uh, you know, what we've said is we, we think we can get this to a, a half a billion dollars in three years. Mm. So it's game on and I'm having a great time and that's our North star, but, um, that's how I think about it. Mm -hmm. The time, the time component to work-life balance matters when Got you get into the conversation and look for those of us, for those of you who might be in your twenties, I'm a huge advocate that like, look, you know, make your investment now, mm. grind hard, 16, 18 hour days, grind, 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 become an expert in something that you love. Mm -hmm. and the balance will come later. Wow. I don't think we've ever heard that. And I've done 300 plus interviews. I've, well, I've not heard the, the admitting, right? Not only did you mention earlier how humbled it was to be the guy in the room who knew everything at, the, at your late 20s, early 30s, and how that kind of screwed you, right? And then to now bring up the fact that you're owning this third part of your life. And I get, I'm watching, and if you all saw this on social you saw it, right? He has smiled 15 to 20 times during this entire interview. And I think you get actual joy if we can pivot into that for a moment. Like you get actual joy from doing what you're doing because like you had said, you'd spent all this time working and kind of building out this career. And you're in a place where you're like, you know what? It's game time. We have a lot of goals we want to achieve. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So my main question in terms of joy for you, have you found that feeling this amount, this, this emotion of what I'm seeing on camera now, where you're like, holy shit, I love this. I love my job. I love working. I love doing it with the people I'm doing it with, building the success fast and growing. But I am going to take a guess as to whether or not that helps your personal life. And it allows you to be at peace with the fact that you're so in the weeds of business right now. And to not find anything wrong with that. Um, how does that joy with work help your personal life? It, it gives me energy. I'm more present uh, with my family. Um, I'm more excited about the future. Uh, and that's what really drives me. Um, now, at the same time, when things aren't going well in business, I believe mm. you have a responsibility to leave that at the door. It's not fair to your family for them to suffer while you're suffering. Um, and by the way, if you are able to compartmentalize that, um, you'll perform better um, in the business if things aren't going well. Mm. So, you know, uh, attitude's important in business. It's also important in your personal life. Um, what I've learned is the way I approach conversations, the way um, my attitude is when I enter the facility really does impact um, how the people around you uh, feel. And so take personal responsibility for the attitude you project. I mean, I respect people so much who may have all sorts of awful things going on. They may have health problems, but yet they show up, they show up 
and they're all in, they're positive, and they're making a difference. There's mm-hmm. someone within Real Good Foods right now that's doing that right now. Not many people in the organization even know about it. And I just have so much respect for somebody who can do that. And I mm. aspire to be that same type of person. So attitude matters a lot, and it contributes to momentum. Mm-hmm. It really does. That's cool. It's really cool because I think a lot of times people put on this facade that they're like, feeling right or they have a certain amount of like joy per se for, for what they're doing professionally and a lot of times it's always based around ego or what have you like you know the whatever your title is in a net that, that a lot of times gets the best of people and clearly it hasn't for you where do you feel like that stemmed from was where have you been watching people over the course of your career that it kind of modeled this way right because the version we're getting of brian now clearly is not the 29 year old version you mentioned earlier but more importantly it's i i think it would be so helpful for helpful for us to understand who you are now as a business person and as Brian Freeman, the person person and kind of how you've, you've built this and and you've kind of morphed almost into this version of yourself, but was anybody there along the way? uh, Or did you model yourself after specific people? Yeah. I mean, so going back to, you know, my early career, I had early success and that really fed my ego and made me, uh, the smartest guy in the room who really knew very little. For me, um, it was uh, failure um, that was very humbling. And I just have this core belief that um, life will humble you the minute you uh, start listening to your ego and get into power mm-hmm. dynamics and all the rest of it. Um, so if nothing else, and I say this, um, I'm kind of laughing right now if you're just listening to this, um, it's almost out of fear. <laughs> it's like the more arrogant you become, I think the more likely it is you're going to make poor choices and, uh, you know, life will, life will humble you. So the, the short answer, Justin, is, is it was through pain mm-hmm. that has gotten me to a point where, you know, I can be vulnerable. I can be open. I can be transparent and clear and uh, stay curious. And uh, I think it's led to uh, high growth businesses that, you know, um, actually have an impact and make a difference. Can you give us a take on how you feel like you look at yourself differently now? I'm curious because I don't know how many people have like put you on their shows to then give you the space to say these things, but I'm, I'm loving this. And if you're listening to your, ta- hopefully you're taking notes, but we went from routines to the fact that like everything you just mentioned around curiosity, humbling, like life life then humbling you in certain ways and like getting rid of the ego. These are all great, valuable life lessons, but how do you look at yourself differently now? And uh, please do tell us, I'm very curious. Like, I feel like you have more respect for yourself now in that case. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Scott Galloway said that he had surveyed uh, several people in their, I believe it was in their eighties and asked them what was their regret. Mm. And uh, the number one answer and this surprised me, was um, I was too hard on myself. Okay, so, um, you know, for me, how I'm, I'm, di- I'm I, uh, I have more empathy for myself, okay, and that's for others. That's great. I think that's how I've, how I've changed. Now, at the same time, you have to balance that against performance. That's right. And expectations. Um, and so, mm. you know, yes, you may have empathy for somebody, uh, but at the same time, we are here to des- to deliver a result. And the first thing I look for is clarity. Mm. Um, 
and uh, go from there. Integrity and those sorts of things. But I do find myself having to balance having empathy for someone or situation. But at the sure. same time, we're here to deliver a result. Very important you bring that up as well. I think a lot of people get lost in that depending on the line of work you have. If you're listening and you're a creative, you're probably way too emotional with the work that you have anyway. It's just how it works. <laughs> you know, as a podcaster, I've been this way for a long time. I do not operate business the same way anybody I know that does in, in your space, in, in corporate media, what have you. It's very different. And um, something valuable for all of us to know is exactly right. That balance can exist, but it, I'm sure it comes with some type of routinely check-in on yourself. So as we get closer to the end of this conversation, I now, I mean, Brian, give us a take. Do you check in with yourself? Are you constantly doing like, I, I'm a Friday person. So no emails, no meetings on Fridays, just results like you had said, working. But then more importantly, just like pulse checking. How did this week turn out? What does next week need to look like? Do you do the same thing where you feel like you have a routinely check in with yourself? 100%. Um, so on Sunday, um, what I, so let me be even more vulnerable. I noticed that um, Sunday evening, say five mm -hmm. or six o'clock, my anxiety level would start to rise a little bit. Okay. Just getting anxious about the, the coming Monday, the coming week. Oh yeah. And, um, the way I addressed that was, uh, that time of, of the day, or it might be Sunday afternoon or, or after dinner on Sunday, I'll, 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 my check-in is kind of like, okay, I make a list. What's, what's giving me energy? What am I looking forward to this week? Mm -hmm. What am I concerned about? Then I start thinking about other people within the company. I start asking that same question. Mm. And then um, that's when I'll send out a note and say, hey, what, what's giving you energy? What's taking it, what's taking it away? And, and what you learn is sometimes really eye-opening. You'll find out that somebody is worried about something that there's, there's no reason to worry about that. That's right. And you would have never known had you not asked the question. Um, and the same is true when you take a little bit of time for yourself. Again, mm. get off that hamster wheel and get ready. That's right. Which then could lead to reflection too. And so sure. you probably found it so valuable to take a bird's eye view at some of the stuff that's being worked on and then to prioritize. I have to ask you for a moment. You bring up clarity many times in this conversation, which is so, so, so important. But through clarity, I feel like you also have have been able to match that to vision. And so, you know, folks, and even if we're in season three of this thing and we're a few weeks after we had just recorded with Brian here, I've recorded with Brian, you know, it's the end of the year. So as you think about how this year went, what you're looking forward to, like you had said, you have a calendar that's looking at you for two years now, which is very exciting, but also scary at some extent, right? It's the Sunday scaries you just mentioned, that stuff can be very overwhelming. And so as you're looking forward and you think about the vision behind everything now, what are your pure hopes? Like, you know, with business and your personal life, in generally speaking here, you know, your just your hopes for say the next two years. Yeah, you know, so on the business side, you know, obviously we went through a pretty significant budget uh, process and because we're a public company, you know, we need to deliver on what we have told our shareholders mm -hmm. we will do and exceed those expectations. That's, that's mission number one. Um, and then from a personal standpoint, you know, it's just to be more and more present um, mm -hmm. and emotionally available when I am there in person. And those are my goals, uh, you know, for the coming year. Yeah, 
This is so exciting. I feel like we could chat with you all day long. And and I know that your time is so valuable and you've spent this much time with me uh, on this episode, which is so special. And, and folks, again, I think that at the end of the day, this podcast only exists to understand what Brian's rituals, habits, and routines have been. But then you so vulnerably have actually opened up about things that I didn't expect. Uh, best part of this, I feel like it's, to me, it's free therapy and a free class lesson from someone like yourself. And to be honest, anybody who tuned in, that's why these exist as well. So thank you for clicking play. Brian, I have one last question for you as it pertains to your like your daily life. There are seven days in a week and you think of how many times you've done this very one thing. If you can think of one thing that you non-negotiably have to do every single day, no matter what, morning, midday, nighttime, whatever that one thing is, what would it be? I mean, I know you mentioned coffee earlier. Uh, so besides the coffee in the morning, one thing instinctually, habitually have to do every single day. Push-ups. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I know it sounds ridiculous. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not that vulnerable. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we couldn't have ended this better. Wait. Okay, so without the number count, why push-ups? It just gets it going. It just gets me going in the morning. So uh, that's that's my thing. I have a follow-up. Do you ever, in the middle of a day or in the evening, and I've heard this from from some other folks, not on this show. You're the first one to say that. Do you feel like you ever just bump down and like, just start doing push-ups out of nowhere to regain that energy. Said you say you didn't get the energy from like your teammates that day. You're like, screw it, you know, lunch break, push-ups. I, you know, I do jump. Um, and but before I go into like a sales meeting or whatever, I jump and bounce around and just get it going before I uh, before I go into a sales meeting. So I do do the jump and stuff. You gave us so many hacks to end with that. If you guys are going into sales meetings, right, or shareholder meetings, like you had mentioned, jump up and down like Brian did. I think that is so helpful. In addition to the entirety of everything you've said, thank you. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. It is so special to have these kind of conversations, to be honest with you. I mean, I could selfishly selfishly say that I learned from you. I know everybody who clicked play also did. Uh, in the descriptor notes below also, folks, we're going to link everything of all of Brian's amazingness and especially with Real Good Foods as well. And I'm just so excited for the next, you know, I know we'll be friends for the next two years enough to know how things turn out for you. And uh, so thank you for spending the time on the podcast with me, my friend. You're very kind. Thank you, Justin. it's Justin again, and that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines, or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now, until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same.